uh, I don't need to be here. You know, those worship songs really bring down the gospel. And I was started out uh, at the cross, I surrendered my life. Now we're going to talk about that this morning. I'm going to talk about that. And I, I hope that uh, it will ring true in with what you know. But even though I surrendered my life, I keep taking it up. And so, then they sang the song, There's an Anchor for My Soul. So even though I fail, I know it's in Jesus Christ that I'm living. Then we sang the song that the Lord, or the King, the resurrected King is resurrecting me. Not only at the resurrection, but even as he sanctifies us in our life. He keeps working at us. He keeps us coming out of that life of sin. And then we finally ended up with, I will rise when he calls my name. And so we have something to live for now because we're in Christ. So uh, thank you very much for your attendance here today. (laughs) I have all these notes, which I will not use. Okay, I have three points uh, for a message today. And I will tell it to you as soon as... Oh, let's see. The other thing I want to make sure you understand is, uh, you know, you heard a lot about the you know, trail life for boys and the uh, American Heritage girls. Uh, I just want to know, since I don't, I'm not in the fight 5 to 18 group, uh, are they both meeting on Monday night? Yes. Yes, okay. All right, and then uh, for the rest of us. Oh, by the way, something else I want to mention about uh, volunteering when you're an adult. Okay, I found out. Sometimes they want to go on a 20-mile hike uphill. So you better be in good shape. And if you're not in good shape, uh, uh, either get in good shape or say, uh, you know, uh, let, me, let me cut back off on this one. So there are limits. Uh, is Mike Levine here? Okay. I won't, I won't mention any names, but <laughs> he came in and it was like it was his last, you know, he was just pressing on just trying to make sure he'd take that last step to be able to get home. Uh, And it may be a good challenge for us. Uh, But mostly it's about the spiritual life, not our physical life. Uh, You'll notice I came up the stairs early. Uh, If if everything had stopped and you're waiting for me to come up the stairs and I had fallen, you know, that would have been completely going to break the whole thing. I want to make sure that everybody's attention was on on the... uh, Trail life boys. Um, so, but for the rest of us, uh, let's see, of course, we do have a ladies' Bible study tonight, uh, which is finishing up. Let's see, where is, where are the benders? Benders here? I don't know what they're finishing tonight. Okay, no ladies' Bible study tonight. Got that? I know it's in the. Uh, the bulletin, but starting next Sunday, uh, next Sunday night, they will be starting a Bible study on First Peter. Uh, let's see, Penny Fram uh, leads, leads another ladies' Bible study on Wednesday night, and that's uh, from 3 to 4 p.m., and uh, <clears throat> that's before the worship team gets together. Now, on Thursday night, uh, for men, uh, there's a Bible study starting at 6.45, but uh, we also, at 5.45, we're going through Grudem's. 
Uh, Grudem's, I mean, it sounds terrible. The book is this thick, and it's, and it's called uh, Systematic Theology, and it sounds terrible. Okay, it, it's sort of like, uh, it's sort of like, uh, you know, I've, I've taken uh, elementary physics, but now all of a sudden we get, uh, you know, we get, we get particle physics or something like, oh, what, what are they talking about? I got out of it as soon as they started uh, generating a new subatomic particle about every month. And I said, they don't know what they're doing. I'm going to stick to acoustics, and that's what I did. So, uh, but we will be starting, and that isn't, you know, even though it's before the men's Bible study, I, I don't see any reason why we should limit it to men. Uh, Mary Ann points out things to me all the time that, I, you know, I, I, she fills in the cracks quite often, you know, when I, when I kind of gloss things over. But the point was, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, first of all, you better know who the Lord Jesus Christ is. Mormons do not know who the Lord Jesus Christ is. Okay, Jehovah's Witnesses do not know who the Lord Jesus Christ is. And, and it's important that we know these things, so even though you consider them to be Bible doctrine, uh, what it is, it's a book of topics, why you believe what you believe. In other words, if you want to go by this as your reference book, then you need to know what's in it. So we go through, and there's no, I've got to cover 10 pages tonight or anything like that, we go until people say, I don't understand, in which case we say, okay, we've got to do a little bit more work on this, uh, and we'll go on to the next week. Sometimes we cover two pages, sometimes we cover half a page, right? And so uh, uh, everybody, uh, men and women, can come to that. But the men's Bible study is really things that bug men. And sometimes I wonder about it. And I'll go in, there's a bunch of women talking, and I'll just sit down in the middle of them and say, I wonder what women talk about. Uh, you can do that. It's nothing that, that married women don't know anyway. All right. Uh, so let's start out with a word of prayer before we get into God's word this morning. Uh, Heavenly Father, I just pray that as we talk about sin, uh, Lord, I uh, first of all want you to uh, Examine my life as you continually do, and as I prayed, uh, you know, earlier this morning, Lord, I just pray that you would just cleanse my heart of sin, that I might uh, be able to transfer your word, your the purity of your word, uh, in pureness myself. And Lord, I know that uh, in myself I don't have all of your understanding, and so Lord, there are things that I might say that you would have said differently. Lord, I just pray that you would guide me. Uh, and especially guide those that are listening that they might understand uh, where I miss things. So, Lord, I just pray that we'd all be good Bereans, that we would be uh, uh, willing to look up in your word uh, to make sure that the things I say are, are truth. Uh, Lord, I'll do my best, but I rely on your Holy Spirit to guide and direct my words. And I'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'd like you to... Uh, Answer a question for me. What does it mean when a Baptist preacher takes off his watch? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, uh, but I'd, I'd like you to uh, take heart in the fact that I'm only going to be covering uh, six verses. Uh, about four weeks ago, Pastor Ken was in Romans. Uh, he got off. Uh, for three weeks, but uh, I'm going to go back to Romans. I'd like to do that for, uh, for my pastor on supporting. Uh, he finished up in chapter 6, 
And so we're going to be starting out with uh, chapter 7. And there's three points that I'd like to make. When we come out of this, I want you to know that we are made dead to God's law. Okay? And we're going to be free from God's judgment. So that's number one. We're free from the law and we're free from his judgment according to the law. Now we're going to, we're not, we're not, uh, you know, people say, well, I can do anything I want to because I'm not, I'm free from the law. We'll, we'll get into that. Uh, okay, number two, God makes us, God gives us a spiritual heart and he empowers us to do things in righteousness. He empowers us to be able to understand his will and to be able to enact that in our own lives as we work with other people. Okay, and number three, we know that we are alive in order to glorify God. Okay, and we only do this because we have hope in him. The word hope, by the way, for us is the assurance. So we have God's promises. He's going to work in us to, to glorify himself. And all this is according to his mercy and his grace. So I can do nothing for you apart from Christ. And you can do nothing in your own life, even, without Christ. And you can do nothing for other people without Christ. So we need to understand those three things. So we're dead to the law, we're spiritually alive, and we need to use that to glorify God. So those are the three points. Uh, so I'd like to... Uh, as Pastor Ken uh, left off in Romans chapter 6, I want to go back and I want to look at two verses uh, at the very end of that chapter to be able to point out uh, where we're going uh, with this message in chapter 7. And we're only going to be covering the first six chapters, or six verses of 7. So for me, this is great. It's all in one column. So these are my notes uh, this morning. Uh, I'm using a large print Bible. Uh, I like it now. But I bought this uh, three months before my mother passed away. I, I bought it for her so that she could read it. And I put down at the bottom, start reading in Matthew. I thought it was going to be John, but... Start reading in Matthew, page 1305. Okay, right here. So I saw her a few months later, and I said, how's your Bible reading going? She says, oh, it's terrible. I said, why is that? She says, I got all bogged down in Leviticus. I said, what are you doing in Leviticus? So she figured, you know, I'm going to read the whole Bible, and I, you know, that was good that she wanted that desire, but uh, it, it's, whole, it's, it's so much better to start in the Gospels. Well, we're actually going to be talking about Paul, who's uh, talking about the Gospels and about what God uh, is doing as it has been revealed to him. So if we would have, uh, Matt, if you would bring up uh, Romans chapter 6, uh, verse 21. And, uh, all right, 621. You're in 6-1 now, I think. You're in 7-1 or whatever. 6 21. Okay, there we go. 
So what fruit did you have then, before salvation, in the things which you are now ashamed? That's what gets me about having a testimony. I am so ashamed of what I did before I was born again. I don't want to talk about them. I mean, I'll talk about how God changed my life. Now, but some of the things I like to brag about. So what God has done in my life, and it's all past, those I can brag about with the things that I are still hanging on. So we look at the, the things that I'm ashamed of, and I'm so ashamed that I don't even, I don't even want to go there. But I'll brag on the fact that right away, God says, you know, the only reason you're drinking is because other people around you were drinking. So it's social. I mean, I wasn't an alcoholic, but I was drinking to appease other people around me. Even though I knew that after two drinks, I couldn't play the piano. I just, you know, I mean, your muscles just don't what they do what they used to be. Your reaction times are different. Everything is different. But the other thing about drinking is your mind will do things and you'll say things that, that you wouldn't want to repeat even the next day. The other thing is that uh, not only did I used to swear, and we're talking about obscenities as, vo- as well as profanities, uh, other people were doing it. Uh, we haven't had a girl in one of our gourmet clubs who you tried, tried to outdo the boys. She got saved later. Uh, but the, the point was that when, when God took over my life, all of a sudden that whole vocabulary, I wasn't, I wasn't going to go there. So there's two things. I brag about those things, but I don't tell you about the other things that I, the things that I would think about or the things that I would do. I don't tell you about those things because I'm ashamed of those. And it's when they come up again and again in our lives that we don't want to, and we say, why am I still doing that? Well, uh, I will say this. I was a sinner. And I will say this again. I am still a sinner. Not in those things, but I got other things in my life. Things that have to do with pride, maybe. Or things that have to do with uh, just things, that, you know, uh, things that I shouldn't be thinking about or shouldn't be looking at. And the Bible says that all of us are that way. So the Bible says that you have things in your life, maybe before Christ, that you would not want to tell anybody about. But also, now that you're in Christ, you say, well, I still do them. Why do I still do those? Uh, Pastor Ken, when he gets into Romans, uh, you know, goes later on in Romans chapter 7, he's going he's to bump in a bunch of those things. So let me ask you, I want you to raise your hand if you're a better Christian than the Apostle Paul. Anybody want to raise their hand? Anybody? Okay. Well, you're going to find out that Paul had problems. Things that he knew he shouldn't do that he did, things that he knew he should do and he didn't. So on the basis of God's word, I'd say you have problems in your life that you need to deal with. Okay? So we're all in agreement with that. I'm a sinner. I'm looking at you. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a sinner. Okay? Poor Aaron, he doesn't know anybody next to him. <laughs> Me, myself, and I. We're all sinners. Okay, and we need to listen to this message because there is hope for those of us who have problems and we just can't seem to get rid of them.
So what root did, uh, verse 21, what fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of these things is death. And, of course, those things not only can it be death, for instance, uh, if I drank myself into oblivion, uh, first of all, I know I'm supposed to be ad- not supposed to be addicted to drugs, but but if I'm not addicted, but but I stole money to to mess up my liver, is it? You know, alcohol can do that. Uh, if you're on drugs, God says we're not supposed to be addicted to drugs, but what happens? Just once in a while, you know, I'll just be social social smoker or whatever. You ever seen the ad? You know, they got a frying pan, they put a put an egg in a frying pan, and it says, you know, this this is your brain on drugs. You know, I mean, that affects our brain. So there are things that we do that maybe they're not against the law because we're not addicted. We're not totally involved in it. But they're not good for us. So God's not going to judge us for breaking the law, but still there are consequences for things that we do that we shouldn't do. And it could be the words that we say because what we're doing is we're messing up our relationship with each other. So now verse 22 There we go. Uh, but now having been set free from sin, so that's my new life, I've been set free from sin, I don't have to do them the way I used to when I, when I, before I was saved. I had to do them because I was with people who did them and I didn't want to be an outsider. I wanted to be liked, uh, you know, part of pride, I like to be liked, so I'd do the same things that other people are doing. Having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God. This is important because is that what you agreed to do when you got saved? Or were you just trying to get out of hell? The Bible says we are supposed to want to be slaves of Christ. So if we want to be slaves of Christ, that means that what he says we ought to want to do. Well, it's a, it's a good thing to evaluate yourself in terms of, do I, do I really sign, do I know that I signed up to be a slave of Christ? Maybe being in the Marines, uh, let's see, Bob, Bob's a Marine. Do you have any other Marines here besides, uh, besides Bob? You sign up for the Marines because they have a good reputation. And after you're in, when you're in boot camp, you start to wonder, did I really that I really want to do this. Our son had gone to college and he decided that he wanted to uh, join the Marine Corps in the, uh, as an officer. And so he went to uh, uh, officer candidate school. And as he went through officer candidate school, uh, how many daughters did he have at the time? Did we have, he had two daughters at that time. They're both Chinese because they, they were both born in Taiwan. But the, point is that he came back and he found out that to be a Marine, you've got to give your whole life to the Marines. Not to your family, not to your church, not to anything else, but the Marine Corps. And he said, that's not why I went to Bible school. That's not why I spent four years as a missionary in, in Taiwan. I, I don't want to continue in those things. And so he dropped out. Well, when you volunteer to become a slave of Christ, if you weren't serious about it, you might not be a slave of Christ. So we need to examine ourselves and say, this is what I signed up for. I either do it or I don't. So now having been set free from sin, having become the slave of God, 
you have your fruit to holiness and the end, everlasting life. So what we're talking about here is I'm going to live to be sanctified, to be holy. God is going to, God is going to work in my heart in order to uh, make this happen. I'm not saved by works. There's no way that I can clean my life up before I'm saved. That's why we say, you know, come as you are, but we hope you don't stay the way you are, you know, when you when you found out about Jesus Christ. So we uh, we want it, we want our lives to change, and we know that we can't change them before we're saved, and we can't change them before or after we're saved. So it takes the Holy Spirit to work in our minds and our hearts to become like Christ. Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. And the Bible says, be holy, for I am holy. We can't do that. We have to, unless we just give ourselves up, you know, as slaves of God. So how do I uh, not give myself up? Well, it all started with Adam, wasn't it? You know, God said, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But Satan said, you can become like God if you eat this fruit. So most of the time what we're doing is we're saying, I can do it myself. I don't know any. You know, we, 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 kid, we kid about kids. Please, mother, I'd rather do it myself. In some ways, I'm still a kid, aren't I, Marianne? You know, she offered to do something for me. I said, I can do that. I'm not senile yet. Or maybe I am, and I don't know it, you know. But the point is that we're all kids when it comes to Christ, and it's a matter of pride that I want to be able to, I want to be known as being able to do everything. We, uh, you know, my work was, you know, building parts for spacecraft, and every once in a while you have to write a proposal, and you had to, you had to put down your abilities in order to uh, make sure that the, the, the source of money uh, is going to say, this looks like a good team. And so we would write our, our resume out. You know, this is what this person does. This is what. So anyway, my boss and myself, we were writing our resumes out. And, and he said, here, read mine. And I said, okay, and here you read mine. And so we got all finished. And we look at each other. And I said, boy, I'd, I'd hire this guy in a heartbeat. You know, because you make yourself look good. And that's what you, that's what you want to present. So you're all uh, here today. And, and you all have smiles on your faces. And, and when somebody said hello, you said hello back because everything's working well in my life, and we're all lying, aren't we? To be honest, we are all lying. I mean, it's not all good, but we're enjoying our life in Christ, especially when we're together, especially when we're in a Bible study. And that's why we need to get together more often, more often during the week. All right, so to our text. Um, so let's read the whole thing at once. Uh, Romans uh, chapter 7, 1 through 6. Romans chapter 7. Okay, it starts out with chapter 7 up there. That's why it says that. Okay, or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives? For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. 
But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then, while her husband lives, she is, if she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. Now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Okay, everybody got that? All right. Well, let's go back through uh, verse 1 again. So we're going to go down, uh, you know, verse by verse. Do you not know, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over man as long as he lives? So I guarantee you that if I... Suppose I'm driving down the road at night. I'm not supposed to do that, you see, because I don't, I don't get, I don't have enough light. My, my, I have thinning of the retina, so Marianne drives at night. But suppose I am. I'm not supposed to be, but I am. And I don't see over near RIT where there's a, a fellow uh, riding a bike, and he's on my side of the road. The bike is black. There's no reflectors on it. He has black shoes. He has black uh, jeans on. He has, he has a black hoodie on. He's black, on, on black. I can't see black on black. Uh, I'll, I'll say, Marianne, where's my, where's my Bible? And it'll be on a, on a, cra- on a c- couch. And she'll go, it's right next to you. And I'll, I don't see it. Because uh, our couch has a lot of brown in it, you know, and I got a brown Bible here. But, uh, Anyway, I run the guy over. I kill him. Okay. Now, according to law, that's home, uh, that's uh, manslaughter. I killed somebody. I'm responsible for that. Okay. And according to the law, I'm I'm guilty. You know, whatever the penalty is, I'm gonna have to pay that penalty. But if, in the process of running him over, I also try to run over, a, you know, a big oak tree and I die, there's no penalty for me, okay? Because I'm dead. So whenever I'm dead, there's no, there's no penalty for that. So this is, this is things in the world. Now, now, as far as God is concerned, of course, you know, there is going to be a judgment day. And, and what we're going to point out here is that we have an out. All right, and we're going to find out what that is. So he's going to, uh, he's going to give us an example here of an out, if you want to. Because he says in verse 2, and what he's going to do is he's going to take somebody, and he says, for you who know the law, so you go into the law and you find out that God has a design for marriage. 
be one man, one woman, for life, for the uh, procreation. So he wants children who get raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord so that, that, that they know how to raise their children, you know, and it's going to be a man and a woman, and they're going to have kids, and they're going to live for the Lord. So that's God's design. But so he's bound to the law as long as her husband lives. Uh, we had a piano player here for quite a while. She now goes to a, a church, uh, you know, down south a little bit, by the name of Betty Murray. And Betty Murray, I think, I, I think she has three husbands. Okay. The first husband was a pastor. He died. And she is a wonderful pastor's wife, as we know, because she could play the piano. Is that right? <laughs> you didn't. I tell you, if you're a pastor and you're going to, you're candidating at a church, you know, one of the stupid questions that they ask you is, does your wife play the piano? That's what's great about uh, Dave Theobald. He is a great piano player. And, uh, but, uh, you know, they have expectations. But the point is that, that she was a great pastor's wife because she would listen to his sermons. She would comment, comment on his sermons. I mean, she was based in the Bible. Maybe she didn't study Grudem's, but she knew it. She knew what the Bible said. So she got married again to another pastor, of course, because she, that was her gift of being a pastor's wife. Number two died. Okay, and Pastor Murray, who was her third husband, I believe it was the third. Anyway, she married again, and uh, Pastor Murray, I think, also died. I mean, they were good preachers. I mean, God used them mightily, uh, but she's not interested in getting married anymore. I mean, three is, three is enough. But the point is. She's bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives, but if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. All right. And verse 3. So then, while her husband lives, she... But if, while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. Because why would she want to marry again? Well, obviously, she's unhappy with her first husband, and so... It's all about me, and so I'm going to get out of this, and so uh, her husband is still alive. And she would be called an adulteress, but if her husband dies, she is free from that law. Okay? So that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. So, so here, we're not talking about marriage this morning. So you can, you know, if you're worried about that, that's not where we're going. But here's an example of the fact that there are exceptions uh, to God's law. And, and that is, uh, in this particular case, death. Now in verse 4, uh, I, want you to, I want you to make a, a, a change in your mind here. Okay. I want you to be the wife. Every one of us. Uh, actually, in the body of Christ, we're all the bride of Christ, and Christ is the as the bridegroom, and so it shouldn't be uh, too much of a, of a problem for you. Uh, so we're all, we're all brides when we get to heaven. That's why there's no marriage when we're in, when we're in heaven. We're all the brides of Christ. He is our husband. 
So therefore, brethren, you also have become dead to the law and you know, through the body of Christ, because he says, you know, we were buried with Christ. We died with Christ on the cross. We are buried with Christ. This whole idea of, of baptism. Uh, you know, we're buried with Christ and then we're, we're resurrected. So we're given a new life uh, in Christ. And eventually, uh, our bodies are going to be resurrected as well. And then, so, uh, I mean, as long as I got this body, the Bible says it's like carrying a, a it used to be a penalty. Uh, you know, when you kill somebody, you used to carry their dead body over your back until they finally rotted and fell off. Well, what we do is we recognize, I got this dead body I'm hanging on to, this sin that I can't get rid of. We're supposed to leave it at the cross. Leave it at the cross and say, God, I don't want this anymore. Take it, please, and I want you to work on my life in order for me to, to be different, in order for me to uh, become holy, in order for you to sanctify me. I can't do it. I need you to do it. And so uh, we are married to another. And so on that day when we said, Jesus Christ, I want you to take over my life, what he does is he takes our sin and takes it upon himself. He imputes that sin onto himself. And he says, I've already done this because God knows the beginning and from the end. I died for your sin on that cross. And when I was resurrected, I essentially at the same time, I took your sin and I give you my righteousness. Now it would be nice to be able to say we're completely righteous, but we're not. But as far as God is concerned, when we become children of God, he looks at us as if we have the righteousness of Christ. So if that's what God is expecting of us, that's how we ought to behave, you see. That is what we want is Christ to be our Lord and our Savior. Uh, Lord meaning whatever you say I'll do. Back to Marine Corps, you know. When they, on the way up, you know, when they say jump on the way up, you say how high. So, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the lady's name who was the missionary over in uh, Palestine before Israel and, and, you know, before the Jews and, and uh, Arabs, you know, separated. Uh, God say, I wanted you to take Bibles over to this Palestinian village. And she said, how am I going to do that? You know, I mean, they have border guards there and they won't let me do that. Because there was a rule that says no man can can enter Palestine. So, but she says, okay, you know, you told me to do it. I'm going to do it. So she loaded up her car with all kinds of Bibles, and she gets to the border, and they say, what do you think you're doing? Don't you know the Bible says no man can bring Bibles into here? And then he thinks about it, and he says, wait a minute. You're not a man, are you? And so they let her through. You know, we don't know how God is going to work in our lives in order for us to make it happen. A lot of times we say, I don't understand it, so I'm not going to do it. That's not faith. Some people work with, if I don't understand it, I'm not going to do it. In other words, faith comes after reason. But it ought to be the other way around. We ought to be working in faith, and then we find out that God had a plan after all. I think it's uh, 
Dave Havens, wherever he is, around here someplace. Uh, no? So <laughs> somebody raised their hand. Okay, and so David, David would agree with that completely. Because he would say, you know, I, if I don't understand it, oh, there you are. If I don't understand it, you know, I have that resistance right away. And what is it? It's a resistance that came from Satan who said, you will become wise. So uh, what do we have in the book of Judges? Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And that's where the world is going today. As long as you think it's right, it becomes right. I was good at that because I, and I'm still good at it, I suppose. I know Pastor McKenna is good at it because when he, when he comes to a decision, he says one, two, three, you know, he's got, got four different reasons. And of course, the ones he's telling me about are the things that are right. Uh, but of course, you know, I and probably all of us have reasons for why we do things that are wrong. We justify ourselves and we're not supposed to do that. So, you will be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that you should bear fruit to God. So this is where we, I'm, I don't need you to pull it up, uh, Matt, but, you know, we talked in, in the end of Romans uh, chapter 6. So, but now having been set free from sin and become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness. So it's got to be something that God says, I want you to do this. And if, I, if I'm doing what, if I'm being led by the Spirit, there's going to be fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to say, God, I don't feel like doing that. Okay, well, you've got to get the fruit right first. You've got to make sure that, you know, do you really care about other people? Are you worried about your own reputation? You know to do good, but you don't want to look bad. So I'm worried about doing it because I don't know for sure that I'm doing the right thing. You've got to go do what God wants you to do. So we should bear fruit at the end of uh, verse 4. And 5, whether we are in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law, I think you need to uh, understand that. Aroused by the law means I wasn't aware of it until I, was, until I read the law. I didn't realize that that was a sin. Uh, Pastor Ken, I guess, in the following weeks is... You know, if he gets back to Romans, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be more about that in this chapter. But it's uh, the whole thing about the law is it makes us aware of sin. Before I was saved, I didn't care about reading the Bible. I didn't care about, uh, you know, what, what was right or wrong. Uh, somebody would tell me, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that. And after you're saved, you say, it's not a question of whether I can't do it. It's that a, God changed the brain, let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus, and we don't want to do the things that he uh, points out. So these uh, sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members, bear fruit to death. Did all that go away? Unfortunately not. So we still have our flesh and if we listen to our flesh, then we're in trouble. Okay, because, okay, I'm, I have three parts of me now. I got my flesh right here. Okay? I got the world over here. 
And the world says, be good to your body. You know, have, have fun. Uh, you know, get all the gusto you can. Uh, you know, it, it's your life. You know, you're worth it. Do what the world wants you to do. And then you have God over on this side. The Holy Spirit, let's put it that way. Yet the Holy Spirit says, we need to live to God's glory. We need to make sure that, that we're doing things according to God's plan. Are you listening to God's plan? Hello, hello. Now before there was the Holy Spirit, I had two things against me. I have my flesh and I got the world. But when we're born again, we got the Spirit. So the question is, are we listening to the Holy Spirit? Are we in the Word that he makes sure that we understand that? So finally in verse 6, but now we have been delivered from the law and died to what we were held by so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So don't start reading the Bible and say, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do that. Because if you're worried about what you can do, or even what you can't do, you're operating in the flesh. You say, I'm a smart guy, you know, I can, I can do whatever I want to, and I can decide not to do this. You're going to fail if it's your decision. It's got to be the Holy Spirit changing your heart, changing your mind. So, we get down to... Three things. No, we were made dead to God's law and free from God's judgment. God looks at us for the righteousness of Christ. Okay, know that. Don't go back and, and, and have guilt in your heart. If you got guilt on something recently, of course, we can deal with that. We go to 1 John 1 9. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. But don't go back and relive all of your sinful life. It's nice to know that it's back there. You know, forgetting those things which are behind. You know, press toward the mark for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Number two, know that we were alive, made alive spiritually. God sent his Holy Spirit to dwell in us so that we might listen to him. So I'm made alive and I'm empowered to pursue righteousness. So when there's something right to do, the Holy Spirit will say, it's right to do, and go on. If it's not right to do, he's going to say, ooh, time out. Or if I've already done it, he'll say, you know you shouldn't have done that. And we know that. We count on the Holy Spirit to tell us those things. And so that's the time to confess. And not only just confess it, but put it on our list and say, God, this keeps coming up. This is something that just, it is, it's a besetting sin. I don't know, I think that's in the Bible, besetting. Uh, anyway, it's something that's reoccurring. And you say, how many times do I have to do that before I change? Well, God will keep, you know, take another trip around Mount Sinai until till you learned your lesson. And so... Uh, God is patient with us. He will keep working on us. So, number three, know that we live to glorify God and we're given hope, we're given assurance according to his mercy and grace. We've got to count on Jesus Christ. We've got to count on God the Father. We've got to count on God the Holy Spirit. Uh, we've got to count on scripture that's inspired by God. 
keep your eyes in here, not on the world. Don't be against the world. They don't know. I mean, you got to think back to them before you were saved. They didn't do it on purpose. They do it because that's the way they were raised. That's because they didn't know the truth. Once we knew the truth, we knew that our, our lives had changed. So I, I'm a firm believer that if God has spoken to your heart this morning, you will respond to God. I don't want you to respond to me. I don't, I don't, I don't know. You know, I can say all heads bowed and all eyes closed, and uh, you know, there's some people that still look around. But, but the the point is, it's not what you tell me you're going to do, or what you tell uh, other people you're going to do. Uh, it's what you tell God, because He is the one that knows every single thing we do. He's the one who patiently is going to guide us, and so we just need to put ourselves in His hands. So let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, I just pray that you just work in our lives. Uh, thank you for your patience. We thank you for your love. Uh, we thank you for your mercy. Uh, most of all, we thank you for your grace that you keep working in us to, to know you, to love you, and to worship you as we did this morning earlier and as we did just now in your word. So Lord, we just... Uh, give this time to you. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.